Grab your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter number 18. Matthew chapter number 18. I want to say that it is good to be here to be able to speak to you guys out there. And uh, if you will let me know that you're out there, uh, if you're following us by way of Facebook, uh, on social media, I want you to post a, a comment there and say who you are and where you're watching from. And that just encourages me. That gives me an opportunity to see who's out there and who's joining us in our worship today. And, uh, and so if you'll do that, and also, if you don't mind, if you'll hit that share button, and uh, that helps us to get more people to be able to see uh, this broadcast and see and be able to hear from God this morning. All right? So help me with that. All our Fairview family out there, welcome to the service this morning. We love you guys and appreciate you guys out there. And all of our uh, Coleman campus family that's here, uh, thank you so much for tuning in with us this morning. Now, I, I wanted to get back, I wanted to get back, most of you know, throughout the year, uh, uh, we've been doing a New Testament journey, going through the book of Matthew, and, uh, in, and after COVID hit and, 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 and some of the uh, distractions we had this year, we've been back and forth on it. But I wanted to get back to that and, and try to finish up the book of Matthew. So we stopped in chapter 17, uh, back when the last, the last time we were in this series. And so I went this week uh, to Matthew 18, and I began to read it and study it to be prepared for today to share it with you guys. And, and man, I tell you what, there could not be, there could not be a better chapter, a better lesson, a better message from God uh, to start out the year with than this particular chapter. Uh, it really has to do with getting along. Did y'all hear that? Getting along. Uh, I, 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 put a, a, I put a little poem at the top of your notes. If you've got the notes in front of you, you've gone to our website and got the notes. It says, to live above with saints we love will certainly be glory. But to live below... With saints we know, well, that's a whole nother story. And man, isn't that the truth sometimes? It's so hard to get along sometimes. It's so hard to have harmony. When you have people with different opinions, different preferences, different ideas, uh, and God knew that was going to happen. God knew exactly uh, uh, the way we are and how we're built and, and, and how we're designed. And, and it, it doesn't take very long. You don't have to go very far to see people not getting along. Uh, you can go to social media and you can find 50 different opinions, 50 different ideas and preferences about this or that, uh, people struggling. Uh, and, and I've learned this too. The, the worst part about life or the hardest part about dealing with life is when your relationships are not right. You can, you can, you can have great relationships and be okay even if you're not okay financially even if you're not okay physically, as long as you have a good uh, uh, core, a good relationship with people around you, life can be uh, durable and, and, and life can be doable. Uh, but when your relationships are not right, even if you're doing great financially, even if you're doing great physically, if your relationships are not right and you're not getting along with the people around you, man, that makes life very, very Difficult. So I want, to, I want to study this chapter today, and you're going to see the whole chapter is designed around God teaching us, showing us practically how to get along with each other. It starts with an argument. It starts with an argument, how most 
relationships have problems. It starts with an argument, and, and it seems like Jesus is just answering an argument, but he takes that whole situation and takes it as an opportunity to teach us, teach everybody how to get along. So if you'll read with me in Matthew chapter number 18, in verse number 1, it says, at the same time, at the same time. Now, what was the time? If, you're probably not going to remember this, but if you go back and read chapter 17, if you'll remember that we, we, we studied where Peter got his taxes paid. And if you'll remember, Jesus told Peter, uh, go fishing. And the first fish that comes up, there'll be a coin in the fish's mouth. Go pay your taxes in mine. And so this was a situation where uh, Peter has experienced favor. He's experienced a miracle from the Lord Jesus. And now they're all in Peter's house here with the Lord. Uh, and, and, and so uh, the, the situation arises that they have a discussion with each other. And this, if you'll read other gospels, you'll find out that the discussion really is an argument. And look what it says. At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, Except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now watch this verse, verse 4. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself. Now say that right where you're at, right where you're sitting. Whosoever therefore shall humble themselves. The same, or excuse me, as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now we'll stop there. We're going to cover the whole chapter, but I'm going to stop there for sake of time. And let's pray and ask God to touch his word and speak to us today, okay? Pray right where you are. You pray for me. Uh, you pray for me and ask God to use me to speak to you guys today, okay? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm so grateful and thankful for your love and your mercy. Lord, I can feel the folks that are out there praying right now. Lord, I'm sitting in an empty building, but I still, I still feel their prayers. And I, I, I feel through the Spirit of God, I feel that, that we're all together. It doesn't matter that we're in separate places. We're all together to hear from you this morning. And Lord, don't, don't let them be disappointed. I pray that you will speak to every heart. I know this is a message that everybody needs. It doesn't matter who they are. Everybody needs to hear this and be able to apply this. So Lord, I pray that you'll move in an awesome way. And God will thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, now keep in mind, keep in mind, uh, this whole situation develops out of an argument. The disciples are not getting along. Uh, they are, they're arguing amongst themselves who's going to be the greatest. They're arguing their rank and their order. Uh, who's going to be the best? Who's going to have the most favor? Who's, who's uh, the top of the list, if you will? And, and you got to understand, this, this kind of goes back to what, what has been happening uh, through their, their, their walk with the Lord. Peter has got to, uh, he is, he's experienced things that some of the rest of them hadn't. Uh, uh, he's, he's been able to be with Jesus on the uh, Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, uh, he, he's been able to walk on water. He, he's been able to uh, experience Jesus in a, in a more intimate way than, than some of the other disciples. And now he's getting his, packs, his taxes paid. 
uh, by a miracle. So it seems like he is, he, he is kind of a, he's kind of a big dog among them. And I don't know, the scripture doesn't say whether he started this or whether the other disciples started this. We do know, we do know that, that James and John uh, uh, put their mother up to asking Jesus to let one sit on one side and the other on the other uh, when he enters his kingdom. But the point is, the point is they're not getting along. They're, 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 they're kind of selfish, if you will. They're, they're filled with pride. The very thing that, that God hates and, and doesn't want in his children. And so here we find a, a situation where they're coming to Jesus to solve an argument. Now, uh, there's no question. There's no denying. There's, there, there, is, there is not one ounce of doubt in this. There are times... When we're not going to agree. There are times in our relationships with people that we're going to have issues. And we're going to have problems. Just like the disciples are having issues and problems right here. And when they bring them to Jesus, Jesus deals with it. And he uses this whole chapter to teach them how to get along. How to have peace and harmony in their relationships one with another. Now... Uh, he, he get, he's very practical in it, as you'll see in just a minute. He starts from the beginning and ends with, with forgiveness that we're going to see in just a moment. Uh, but let's, 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 let's learn. Let's learn this morning how to get along. So, number one, number one, if you're taking notes, you're going to find the first thing that Jesus starts with is with our attitude. He starts with our attitude. And, and so what do we see? The necessity... For humility, if you're writing notes down, if you don't have the notes printed off for you, if you're writing them down, the first step, the first necessity, if you will, in getting along with each other and having great relationships is there is a requirement of humility. If we're going to get along, we're going to have to learn to be humble. Look what he says. He says, and Jesus called a little child unto him. Now they're standing in line. They're waiting. Okay, who's going to be the greatest? All right, tell us, Jesus. Tell us, Jesus. Who's, who's the number one dog? Who's the big dog amongst us? And Jesus passes by all of them and, and pulls a little child to himself. Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted. Now that word converted means to completely turn around. To completely turn around unless you are completely different than where you are now. He's telling these guys, unless you be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, now think about that. He's, he says, not only are you not going to be ranked high in the kingdom, you're not even going to get in the kingdom. Now he is bringing salvation into this situation and he is saying, listen, the first step to being saved, the first step to knowing Him is a step of humility. It's contrition, brokenness, it's repentance. And He says, listen, you're going to have to become as this little child. You can't come into the kingdom arrogant. You can't come into the kingdom full of yourself. You can't come into the kingdom with pride. You've got to completely empty yourself and come to God broken. But then look what He says in verse 4. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now, here's what I want you to do. If you're taking notes, write this down. Two things. Two things. If we're ever going to get along, there's an expectation 
of humility. Write that down. There's an expectation of humility. Look where it says. Romans 12, 1. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man. You see that? To every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. What is he saying? We we shouldn't think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. We shouldn't think that we're something that we're not. Galatians 6, 2. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Watch Philippians chapter 2. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind. Look at that now. Look at that. Here's the expectation God has for His children. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. There's no greater example of humility than the Lord, who humbled himself and, and listen, being in the form of God, took upon him the form of man, not just the form of man, but was made in likeness as a servant, a servant. Now, here's, here's what I'm trying to tell you. I, I, I think Warren Wiersbe said this. He, he said, humility is not thinking less of yourself. In other words, it's not thinking bad of yourself. It's just not thinking of yourself at all. Now, we don't need to think more highly of ourselves than we should, and we shouldn't think more lowly. I mean, we shouldn't think uh, uh, more lowly of ourselves than we should think. We should just not think of ourselves at all. Our mind should be on the welfare of others. Our mind should be on the blessing of others. That's what Jesus did. He forgot about himself, and he totally committed to be a blessing to others. That's what humility is. It's just not thinking of ourselves at all. It's putting others first. Now, there is an expectation of humility by God himself. And and think about this. Before he gives us steps and practical application that we're going to get to in just a minute, the very first thing he dealt with in getting along with each other is our own attitude. Our own attitude. Everything starts with our attitude. So what does that mean? That means you can have the steps of reconciliation. You can have the warnings of how to get along. But if your attitude's not right, nothing matters. You, you, can, you can say, I'm sorry to your spouse or to the person that you have an issue with. But if you say, I'm sorry with a bad attitude, it doesn't matter. You can say, I'm sorry all you want. And you can say, I'm wrong all you want. But if you do it through gritted teeth, it don't mean anything. The first step to getting along is fixing your attitude. I think a lot of times we don't need to know who's right or wrong. We don't need to know who's at fault in the issue. We just all need a good attitude adjustment. We need to straighten our attitude out. Now, Jesus starts with our attitude. He said, you boys, you, 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 you totally got the wrong attitude. If you're, if you're ever going to make it in ministry, if you're ever going to make it in life, if you're ever going to have peace and harmony in your relationships with each other, you're going to have to have the right attitude. And that attitude is an attitude of humility. God expects us to be humble. 
God expects us not to put ourselves first. God expects us not to think of ourselves first, but to think of others. Listen, we see the expectation of humility. And then we see the example. Look at the example God gives. He said, unless you become as little children. Jesus is there and most likely in Peter's living room. And there's little children around. So he grabs one of these little children and holds him. Jesus loved children and children loved Jesus. And he is sitting there and he's telling uh, these men in training, he's telling these disciples, unless you become like this little guy, unless you be converted, and, and, and they're going to have to be converted. The word converted means to completely turn around. He said, y'all are going completely the wrong direction on this deal. You're completely having the wrong ideas and wrong thoughts about this. He said, you got to start thinking like this little guy. Now, now, what does it mean to become his little children? What does it mean to become as little children? Watch this. An unspoiled child has the characteristics that make for humility. They trust. They have dependence. They desire to make others happy. You watch a little child, they'll go out into the, into the, into the, into the yard and, and they'll see a weed that looks like a flower and they'll pick that flower and run to their mama and give them that. Why? They have a, a, an inward desire to make someone else happy. Listen, they have, they have trust, dependence, a desire to make others happy, an absence of boasting or selfish desires to be greater than others. By nature... All of us are rebels who want to be celebrities instead of servants. It takes a great deal of teaching for us to learn the lessons of humility. Listen, we've got to become as little children. Little children who have no, no, uh, uh, no, no ambition to be better than somebody else. They love. They're transparent. They trust. My kids, they used to think I was Superman because I told them I was. They just trust it. They just take it at face value. They just believe your word. And Jesus is saying, you're going to have to become as little children. You're going to have to be humble. You're going to have to adjust your attitude. I think, I think, really, the biggest problem in most marriages is bad attitudes. The biggest problems in most people's relationships, maybe it's a boss at work, maybe it's a co-worker, it's our attitudes. And Jesus said the first thing you're going to have to do, if you're going to get along with people, the first thing you're going to have to do is have an attitude adjustment. You're going to have to learn to be humble. You're going to have to go into that situation. You're going to have to go into that disagreement. You're going to have to go into that relationship in humility and with a humble spirit. Secondly, we see this. Not only do we see Jesus teaches them about the right attitude, about the necessity of humility. He begins to teach them about the treatment of others. He begins to teach them about the treatment of others. Look what he says, verse 5. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name, receive with me. The word receive means to show hospitality to. It means talking about how you treat them. He says... But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the sea. Woe unto the world because of offenses. For it must needs be that offenses come, but woe to the man of whom the offense cometh. Wherefore, now watch what he says, man, he goes into detail. Wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off, cast them from thee. 
It is better for thee to enter into life halt or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. If thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. Cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. Take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. Now, here's one thing you need to understand in reading this section. that He is not specifically talking about the little kid in his lap. He's talking about children of God. He's talking about everybody that's humbled themselves as a little child and now they are in the kingdom of God. Now they are a child of God. That's who he's referring to. In other words, he's talking about your brothers and sisters in Christ. When he talks about a little child offending one of them, causing one of them to stumble, uh, he's talking about each other in the kingdom. Now, watch this. How think ye... If a man have a hundred sheep and one of them gone astray, doth he not leave the ninety and nine and go into the mountains and seek that which is gone astray? And if so be that he find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoiceth more of that sheep than of the ninety and nine which went astray, or went not astray. Even so it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Now, there's three things I want you to write down. First, when it comes to the principle or excuse me, the treatment of others, I want you to see the principle he's trying to show. I want you to see the principle he's trying to give. Now, what is the principle? What is the truth? What is the fact that he's trying to lay down? You'll find that in verse number five. Verse number five. He says, And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name, receiveth who? Me, Jesus is saying. Your hospitality to this child will be the hospitality you're showing me. What's the point? What's the point? Jesus is saying, how you treat, now listen up, listen up, focus, focus, pay attention. Hey, hey, how you treat one another is how you treat him. Jesus is saying, how you treat your brother and sister in Christ is how you're treating me. You see, your brother and sister in Christ is the body of Christ. It's the bride of Christ. We are the hands and feet of Christ. So when you lash out against a brother and sister in Christ, when you lash out against your spouse, when you lash out against your friend or neighbor, you're lashing out against Christ. Do you remember when Paul was persecuting the church? When Paul was persecuting the church and Jesus got his attention? What what did he say to Paul? Why are you persecuting me? Jesus said, why? By persecuting the church, by treating uh, horribly the body of Christ, you are treating horribly Christ himself. Look what it says. These are Jesus' words, Matthew 25. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Watch what he says. For I was hungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him saying, Lord, when shall we, when saw we thee a hungered and fed thee or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison? And came unto thee. Watch what Jesus says. 
And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it, what does it say? Ye have done it unto me. What's the point? Be careful how you treat each other. Be careful how you talk to each other. Be careful how you respond to each other in your relationships because the way you treat them is the way you're treating Christ. You need to look at them as brothers and sisters in Christ. You need to look at them as Christ himself because Jesus plainly says right here, how you treat them is how you treat me. What is, what is this? What is this? What do we need to take from this? Be careful how you treat one another. Be careful how you speak to one another. Jesus is talking about offenses here. Be careful how you respond to your brothers and sisters in Christ, the people in the relationships you have. Be careful how you treat them. We see the principle in verse 5. We see the warning. The warning in chapter 6 through 9. Chapter 6 through 9. He goes on to say first, he says, Woe unto them. Woe unto those who cause offenses, who causes another to stumble, who causes a child of God to fall into sin or to stumble. Not only does he say, woe unto them, but then he says this. He said, do whatever you got to do not to do that. Do whatever you have to do, no matter how painful, no matter how costly it is to make sure you treat a brother in the right way. Where are you getting that from, preacher? He says, cut your hand off. Pluck your eye out. Now, now let's keep in mind that Jesus is not literally physically saying cut your hand off. Because your hand is not sinful in itself. It can do good or it can do bad. It starts in the heart. What Jesus is trying to teach here is whatever you have to do to make sure you're not an offense to a brother, you do that. No matter how costly no matter how painful, do whatever you can do to make sure that you're not an offense to a brother. Now, what did Paul say? If you'll remember, I don't have time to go into every detail. I was going to put the verses here. But if you go look in the New Testament, you'll find out that Paul is dealing with some mature and immature Christians when it comes to eating a certain meat. And, and, and if you'll go and study it, you'll find out that some said it was okay and some said it wasn't. Now, Paul tells, Paul tells the mature Christians, he says, listen, if they don't think it's okay to eat and you're eating it in front of them, you're going to wound their conscience and cause them to do something against their conscience would, would constitute sin. And Paul said, hey, if eating meat is going to cause my brother to stumble, I'm not going to eat meat. In other words, even though it's okay, even though it's perfectly legal, I'm not going to eat meat because I care more about my brother's conscience. I don't want him to stumble. I don't want him to mess up in his Christian life. So I'm willing to, to sacrifice something in my life to make sure he's okay. Now let's put all that together. What does that mean? It means this. We need to know that how we treat others is how we treat Christ. How we treat others is how we treat Christ. We need to know that God is telling us and warning us, be careful what you say to one another. 
Be careful how you treat one another. Be careful how you behave with one another. Be careful how you lash out. Woe unto you that causes another brother to stumble. He said, whatever you have to do, no matter how costly, no matter how painful, do whatever you have to do to make sure you can get along. Make sure you don't cause somebody else to stumble. Make sure you don't cause somebody else to fall. Be careful how you treat one another. Now let's, 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 let's kind of review this here. So, in getting along with each other, we need to have the right attitude. And it's an attitude of humility. It's an attitude where we don't think of ourselves; We think of others first. Listen, we have to have the right attitude. We have to go into the situation, whatever the disagreement is, we have to go in with the right attitude. Then, then we must be careful how we treat one another. You know, it, I, have, I have seen, especially at funerals, people will talk. And, they'll, they'll, and it's like it's a positive thing. They'll brag about the person who's deceased. Well, I tell you what, uh, uh, Granny so-and-so or Uncle Harold or whoever it might be, they, sure, they didn't have no problem telling everybody what was on their mind. And everybody would chuckle and laugh. Like, that's a positive thing. That's not a positive thing. That's not a good thing. Matter of fact, the Bible says only a fool revealeth all his mind. Sometimes you need to keep your mouth shut. Sometimes you need to keep your preferences to yourself. Sometimes you need to keep your opinions to yourself. The New Testament says you need to study to be quiet. Sometimes, listen, ladies and gentlemen, you will give yourself, or excuse me, save yourself a whole lot of grief, a whole lot of pain, and a whole lot of sorrow if you will just learn to keep your mouth shut. Keep from posting on, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I used to think I needed to get in every argument and every fuss on Facebook and prove everybody that's wrong. Even if they were truly wrong, I thought I needed. And you know what I learned? A mind changed against his will is of the same opinion still. So there ain't no reason to post. There ain't no reason to put my opinion on there because it ain't going to change their mind anyway. Just go about your merry way and let the ignorant stay ignorant. They ought to be amens all over the world hearing that right there. You will save yourself a lot of grief just learning to keep your mouth shut. Learning to, you know, I'm sorry. I'm going to run this rabbit real quick because I'm on it right now, right here. We are on this rabbit. Look, the, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, it says when you meddle in business that is not yours, it's like taking a dog by the ears. Now, now what does that mean? That means this. You got a bad dog, a mean dog, a growling dog. Now you got him by the ears. Now what you going to do with him? Because if I try to let him go, he's going to eat me up. What does it mean? Don't mess with stuff that don't belong to you. Don't meddle in affairs that does not belong to you. Understand. Listen, sometimes it's better for you. It's better for your relationship. It's better for your peace of mind and harmony just to... Stay quiet. Don't put yourself in a place that you don't need to be in. Now, be careful what you say to others. Be careful how you treat others. Be careful what you do to other people. Be careful of being an offense. Jesus says, listen, no matter how painful, no matter, and I'm telling you, sometimes it's been pretty painful to keep my mouth shut. I, trust, I get it, guys. I get, I'm not perfect at this stuff. I'm trying my best. But I know this. Sometimes the, 
It may be painful, but it's less painful than opening your mouth and causing any more problems. Whatever it takes, whatever it costs, do whatever you can do not to be an offense or to cause somebody else to stumble. Okay? So we got to go into this thing with the right attitude. We got to be careful of what we do and what we say. Because many times we're not having good relationships with other people because of the stupid things we do and the stupid things we say. Church, say amen right there. Now, number three. Number three. Now, now Jesus goes into how to fix it. Because we will end up saying something stupid. We will end up not being humble, not having the right attitude, and treating others in a way we shouldn't have treated them. Or someone is going to do that to us. Someone's going to do that to us. Someone is going to treat us in an ill way. Somebody's going to treat us in an unfair way. Now keep in mind, we're talking about brothers and sisters in Christ here. He's talking about how to get along with each other. How to, when somebody does you wrong, that's a brother and sister in Christ. Now he gives number three. Not only do we see the necessity. Now what is all this about? What is the whole, the whole picture? How to get along. In the family of God, how to get along. How to have right relationships. First, have the right attitude, the necessity of humility. Number two, we got to be careful of our treatment of others, right? And then I want you to see this. Oh, 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 I'm almost, I, almost, I, I almost skipped something. I'm sorry. We see the principle, we see the warning in verse 6 through 9. And if you'll read verses 10 through 14, you'll see the reason. You'll see the reason. And I'll just sum it up here because i got to hurry because I'm running out of time. You better be careful how you treat God's children. Because he loves them a whole lot. That's the bottom line. You can read it any way you want to read it, but when you read it, the truth comes out. You better be careful how you treat God's children because he takes that personally. You hear me? He takes that personally. You can do anything you want to do to me. You can can treat me any way you want to treat me. I I have been treated every which way, but loose, I'm telling you, and just I just roll with it. Here we go. But you mess with my kids, we're going to have serious problems. And if you got kids, you know what I'm talking about. I, I, I'm telling you, I, this is the deal. And you've got to think of it in God's eyes. If you are lashing out and you're mistreating one of his kids, don't you ever doubt that he ain't going to take that personally. He loves his children. That's why you got to be careful. That's why you got to be careful of how you treat other people. One, we see the principle, how you treat them is how you're treating Christ. Two, he gives you the warning. He, he says, listen, woe unto that person that's causing somebody else to stumble. Do whatever you got to do, no matter how painful, how costly, to keep from causing someone else to stumble. And the reason why is because God loves his children. What did he tell Abraham? He said, Abraham, I'm going to bless them that bless you. But then he said, I'm going to curse them that curse you. You better be careful how you're treating God's children. You better be careful how you're lashing out against the body of Christ. Because God takes that seriously. All right? Number three, when things do go wrong, when things do go bad, what do we do about it? What do we do about it when there's a problem in the relationship? Well, let's begin In verse 15, verse 15, 
Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, do, do you wrong. If your brother shall do you wrong, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be as unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say to you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that ye shall ask, it shall be done for thee of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. In other words, Jesus is going to be involved in this deal. So, let's look at the steps for reconciliation. Okay, he says, first, have the right attitude, right? He says, secondly, be careful how you treat one another. Be careful of what you say to each other. Be careful how you act against your brethren and sisters in Christ. But then he says, when something does go wrong, there's steps to fix it. Okay? There's steps to fix it. Let's look at the first step. I'm going to give you A, B, C, and D. Okay? A, B, C, and D. Here's the practical steps that Jesus gives you in getting something right with your brother. Okay? Moreover, verse 15. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault. Watch this. Watch this, everybody. Watch this. Between thee and him alone. Between thee and him alone. A, write this down. When somebody does you wrong... Keep the matter private. You hear me? Keep the matter private. You go to that person one-on-one. You go to them alone. Now, I know that's not what people do today. First thing they do, somebody does them wrong. First thing they do, they go to Facebook. And they post how they've been done wrong, how they're the victim, how they're all... They're not... Listen, they're not wanting to fix a situation... They're wanting somebody else to have sympathy for them. They're trying to get attention. If you, now listen to me, everybody, while we're at it, let's just be straight up and honest. If you go and tell everybody else what somebody's done to you, you're not trying to fix the situation. You just want attention. Be honest about it. You're not trying to restore the relationship. You're not trying to fix the issue. You're not, you're not trying to, to, to make sure the relationship. You just want somebody to feel sorry for you. You are an attention hound, an attention hog, and you need to get your heart right. If somebody does you wrong, go to that person. Don't go to 50 other people about it. Don't post it on Facebook. Just stop right there and go to the person. I'm not telling you my opinion. I'm reading you what Jesus said. Every word in this is read. That means Jesus said it. So if you go and tell somebody else about what somebody did to you without going to the person that did it to you, you're completely wrong. You're the one that's in the wrong. So the first thing to do is keep it private. Go to that person one-on-one. Tell them the issue. Now, there's many times, there's many times that person may have no idea that they've done you wrong. That person may have no idea that they, they have offended you. And, that, and it, it's, a great, it's a great possibility that that person never intended to do that in the first place. So go to them alone. Bring your issue to them and say, this is what happened. 
Now, here's a big key to that. Here's a big key to that. B. B, listen close. Not only keep the matter private, but go with the intention of restoration, not retribution. Go with the intention of restoration, not retribution. You say, preacher, where do you get that? Look what it says, verse 15. He says, when you go to that person alone, if he shall hear thee, watch what it says, watch what it says. Thou hast gained thy brother. Thou hast gained, in other words, you've restored the relationship. Now, a lot of times I've known people, when they go to, to, to deal with something, they're going for vindication. They're going for retribution. They're going to make that person pay. They're going to let them know why they're wrong. You're not going to get anywhere that way. They're going to win the argument. I'm going to tell you this right now. By experience, I won a lot of arguments while sleeping on the couch. Now, now the men in, in, the, men in, in, the, in the media room right now are chuckling because they know I'm right. They back there laughing because they know that I'm right. Uh, I may have won the argument, but was it worth winning? And both of them are doing this right here. No. How is it a win if you're on the couch? Some people think that winning the argument is more important than restoring the relationship. How sad that is. And let me say, let me say, I was bad about that because it was immature. I cared more about showing while I was right. I cared more about, listen, winning the argument than I was to restore peace and harmony. How foolish that was. How immature that was. How, watch, how full of pride. How full of pride that is. Listen, go with the intention. Go alone. Go alone. Go with the intention of restoring the relationship. Not vengeance or retribution. Go with the intention of restoring the brother or the sister in Christ. Then see if that don't work. If that don't work, Jesus says this. See, ask for help from others. Ask for help from others. Now keep this in mind. We're talking about spiritual people. Spiritual people who are wanting to help restore the situation. It don't mean to go, to, go find five other people that agree with you and let's go, you know. No. Go find some people in the church. Look what it says. If he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. Now here's what I found. There have been times, there have been times that I've seen somebody have this issue and they want to go to somebody and, and, and they take people with them. But when the matter is hashed out with the other witnesses there, they find out that they were in the wrong. And you know what? I've seen this. They were so prideful. They were so prideful. They wouldn't even admit that they were in the wrong. So what am I saying by this? If some, you feel and you perceive that somebody else has done you wrong, I want you to have an open mind. Hear me now. Hear me. I want you to have an open mind and a, and a clear heart and be willing to hear both sides of the issue. 
Because it might be that you might be wrong too. Take somebody with you. Get some godly counsel. Get a couple godly people that you have trust and faith in that cares more about both of you, not just one of you. And go into that thing and say, let's resolve this together. Let's pray about this together. Let's find a, let's find a remedy to this issue together. And if that don't work, if that don't work, then D, ask the church for help. Verse 17, ask the church for help. It says in verse 17, if he shall neglect to hear thee, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. What does that mean? It means sometimes you have to take something before the church. Now keep in mind, we're talking about the church family. Getting along with brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, sometimes you got to say, hey, this is what's going on. This person refuses to make something right. This person refuses. We've gone, I've gone one-on-one. I've gone with a right spirit and a right heart. I've gone with two witnesses. And, and, and it just, they will not resolve this. Sometimes you have to bring it before the church. Now, this is something that don't happen a lot, and it should. Church discipline Church discipline is really missing in the society that we live in today, and it shouldn't be. Because we need a, a, a spiritual church. We need a holy church. Listen, we need to be pure and righteous, and we need to be getting along with each other. We don't need to be having church splits and splinters and all this stuff going on. But if that don't work, you have to ask the church for help. And, and I will say this. I will say this. Sometimes that don't work. Sometimes that don't work. And, and you have to just... Chalk it up to the next point. Say, what do I do then? Well, then we see the the last thing that you have to deal with in the case of relationships. Look what it says in verse number 21. Look what it says in verse 21. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him till seven times. Now, now Peter, he's so full of himself. He's so arrogant. And, and, and God takes care of that later on. But anyway, he's thinking he's really being spiritual here. Because the Pharisees said three times, three strikes you out. Three, that's it. You don't have to forgive him after three. And so Peter is, in his own mind, going beyond the call of duty, you know, going above and beyond and saying seven. So he, he's really thinking he's being spiritual. But Jesus busts his bubble real quick. Look what Jesus said. Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Can you imagine how big Peter's eyes got at that point? Now, here's what I want you to see. Here's what I want you to see. Let's wrap it up right here. Let's wrap it up right here. First... I want you to see the importance of a right attitude, the requirement for humility. If we're going to get along with each other, we're going to have to have the right attitude. We're going to have to go in the spirit of humility. Number two, you're going to have to be careful what you say and and how you treat each other. You You need to put a muzzle on sometimes. You need to learn how you treat each other is how you're treating Christ. If you lash out against the church, if you lash out against a brother and sister in Christ, you're actually lashing out against Christ himself. And if you're lashing out against a child of God, God takes that seriously. But then number three, 
He gives you the practical steps of restoration. Here's, here's how to do it. Step A, B, C, D. You know, go alone. Go with the right heart of restoration, not retribution. Take, take some help with you. And, and if all else fails, go to the church and ask the church to help with the situation. Well, if all that fails, sometimes you just got to forgive. Sometimes you just got to forgive and just let it go. You got to forgive and let it go. Now, this brings up the last point. We see the, if it, getting along and having harmony and peace, we see the importance of forgiveness. The importance of forgiveness. First, A, B, and C. And I'm out of time, but let me just give it to you real quick. First, we see the suggestion. The suggestion. What is the suggestion? Okay, I, I only had to forgive up until this point. Seven times. That's the suggestion. But then I want you to see the story Jesus gives. Now, now he, busts, he busts that bubble, and I'll get to that in the last point. But Jesus tells a story to show how important forgiveness is and the necessity of forgiveness. He has a guy that works for a king. He's embezzled money that is incredibly, incredibly high to the point there's no possible way that this man could pay back what he's embezzled and stole. Well, it's found out. It's found out. The man has to come before the king, and he's, listen, he's going to get punished. Well, the guy asked for mercy. The guy asked for mercy, and, and the king was, he was compassionate, and he showed mercy. He said, I tell you what, there's no possible way that you could forgive, you could, you could fix this debt. There's no possible way that you could pay this back, so I'm just going to forgive you, and I'm going to wipe the debt clean. And so this man, the same man, goes out and finds somebody who's in debt to him for pennies. Something insignificant. Especially when it was compared to the debt that he owed. Well, guess what he didn't do? He didn't show mercy. He didn't show compassion. And lashed out and put this person in a debtor's prison. Well, word got back to the king. And he was furious. He was furious. And he said, are you serious? Are you, are you serious? Am I really hearing this right? After everything that I've forgiven you, after the debt that I have wiped away, you're truly not going to forgive this person? And so he took him, threw him into prison, and turned him over to the tormentors. Now, why did Jesus tell that story? Here's the bottom line. When you got saved, Jesus paid a debt that you could not pay. Do you realize you owed a debt against him that you could not pay? It was you that should have been on the cross. All those lashes, they should have been yours. That crown of thorns, that should have been yours and ours. I'll just say ours, all of us. It was our sins that he paid for. It was our debt that he paid for. It was our debt that he forgave. An impossible debt that he forgave. There is no, there is nothing that anybody owes you that can even compare in significance to what you owe Christ. 
And He forgave you. And He expects you to forgive them. Period. Period. That brings us up to C. We see the story. We see the suggestion. What is the suggestion? Is there limited forgiveness? We only have to forgive up until this point. Jesus tells the story of this man who was forgiven much but was unwilling to forgive little. Then we see C, the sermon. We see the sermon. What What do we learn from that? What do we learn from that? Two things, verse 22 and verse 35 is the lesson, the sermon, the point of the matter that Jesus is trying to prove. First in verse 22, Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. What's the first thing we learn? Forgiveness, stay with me, I'm almost done, I'm almost done. Forgiveness should be unlimited. Forgiveness should be unlimited, period. There should never be a time when we leave someone unforgiven. I know I'm telling you something that's hard, but I'm telling you the facts, and this is the truth. Forgiveness should be unlimited, Then B, or number two, the second part of the sermon we find in verse number 35. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do so also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Now what is he saying, so my heavenly Father is going to do to you? Well, look what it says in verse 34. And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. Now let me apply that. If I do not forgive my brother, then God is going to be angry. Not only is he going to be angry, but he's going to turn me over to the tormentors. Now, here's, here's, here's what I want you to understand about that. Now, what is the tormentor? I believe, I believe that it's the symptoms of bitterness. That's what I believe. Because, you see, when you leave someone unforgiven, when we fail to forgive the person who's wounded us, when we fail to forgive the person who's hurt us, then bitterness develops. The Bible calls bitterness a root. A root, the root of bitterness. And listen, out of that root springs tormentors. Out of that root springs tormentors in our life. Now what is the tormentors? Fatigue. Fatigue. When you're living in bitterness and you have bitterness in your heart, you're going to develop fatigue, tired all the time, don't even know why. You're going to develop depression. You're going you're to develop it's, 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 it's very possible to develop heart problems. You're going to have anxiety. You're going to develop trust issues. Preacher, what is all those things? I'll, call, I'll tell you what they are. They're tormentors. You're going to have sleep issues where you can't sleep. All of these things develop from bitterness. And bitterness is developed from unforgiveness. What's the point? 
You want to get along with folks? You're going to have to learn to forgive. You're going to have to learn to let go. Because people are human and, and they're going to mess up. But you're going to have to learn to forgive. Now you see this, this, last, this last step that was taken. If going to them one-on-one doesn't work. If going to them with other brothers and sisters in Christ, that don't work. If you, if you ask the church to help, that don't work. Sometimes you just got to wash your hands. Forgive them and let it go and go on. What does that mean? Sometimes people have the idea that forgiveness is letting somebody get away with something. No, no, no. no. See, you, you, you totally do not understand God. Because God said, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Nobody's going to get away with anything. But you need to understand you're not the sheriff and you're not the judge. It's not up to you whether somebody else gets what's coming to them. It's up to you to do the forgiveness because if you don't forgive, you're going to be in bondage. Forgiveness is not for the benefit of the other person. Forgiveness is for the benefit of the one that's been wounded so that they don't develop bitterness and start experiencing the tormentors. You see, the devil's... I'm going way long, I'm sorry, but you need to hear this. The devil has sold a lie to so many people in thinking if I can make that person hurt like I hurt, then I'm going to feel better. That never happens. That's a myth. That's a lie from Satan. The only thing that will cool the sting and and will heal the wound is to let it go and to forgive the person that's hurt you. It is so important to forgive. Now, let me me help you with something. And and this this is it right here. Here's the only illustration I can help you. Forgiveness doesn't mean you keep putting yourself into a place to get wounded, okay? Listen, I can go up to a kennel. I can go up to a kennel and I can put my hand in that kennel and try to pet this dog. Well, that dog can bite me. But you know what? I'm going to forgive that dog. I'm going to forgive that dog. Okay, he may not know me. I might have spooked him. I might have scared him. He might have just been mean. But either way, I'm going to forgive that dog but I'm not going to stick my hand back in there. You see, forgiveness doesn't mean you stop being careful. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you don't protect yourself. Forgiveness means you let go. You refuse to be the sheriff. You you refuse to be the judge. You refuse to be the executioner. You let God handle all of those things. And you forgive it and let it go. Lord's willing, maybe, maybe next week I'm going to go into more detail depending on how many people may need this on how to forgive, how to let it go, how to, how to let God handle that situation. If that's something you might need, post on it. Let me know. Let me know. But if we're ever going to get along, if we're going to make it this year in our relationships, hey, we have to have the right attitude, the attitude of humility. We have to be careful of what we say and what we do to people and understand if we lash out against people, we're lashing out against Christ himself. We have to take the steps of reconciliation. He gave it real simple. He gave it where we can apply this, real practical steps on how to fix a relationship that's gone bad. And then the most important thing, the most important thing in all of this is we got to be able to forgive. we got to be able to let it go. Man, go into this new year with a forgiving spirit and a forgiving heart and you will be shocked at the amount of peace that you experience this year.